Support for Pivot comes from BetterHelp. How do you know when your social battery is running on empty? Maybe you get a little snippy with your friends or perhaps Scott Galloway. Or maybe you just fantasize about canceling plans, creating one excuse after. You're fantasizing about me? No, 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 never. You're fantasizing about me. Again? Again? Not once. Not once. I get it. I get it. I get it. I'm sorry. Go ahead. All right. Get off my ad right now. All right. Canceling plans, creating one excuse after another, why you have to stay in. I do that to Scott all the time. It's not easy to keep track of how much socializing is right for you. Therapy can help you build more awareness of what you need and when. BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy with licensed professionals. Scheduling is convenient and finding a therapist suited to your style is quick and easy. And we all know Scott Galloway needs therapy. Find your social sweet spot with BetterHelp. You can visit betterhelp.com slash pivot today. Get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash pivot. Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from New York I'm Magazine. I'm doing the opening. Oh, God, go ahead. Did you Whatever. hear nothing our producer said? I don't listen to you all. I'm not sick. Uh, anyways, uh, listeners, uh, hi, everyone. This is Pivot from New York Magazine and the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Scott Galloway. I'm Kara Swisher. Happy Halloween, Kara. What is the... What do Jeffrey Epstein and Halloween <laughs> decorations have in common? I don't even want to know. This they one don't hang themselves, Kara. They don't oh, hang themselves. Oh, my God. What? That's good <laughs> Halloween humor. Where did you come up with that ridiculous joke? Where did you find it? Where I find all my stuff on TikTok. Oh. You know, here's, here's a Halloween joke. What mm-hmm. are kids' favorite two letters? What are kids' favorite two letters? C and Y. Get it? C and Y. What does it spell? I don't. I don't get it. Does this mean I have early stage dementia? C A N D Y. Oh, C and Y. Oh, that's really cute. Not really. Yeah. You okay. know where I learned that one? That is a great joke and it's smart. That's like smart kids prep school humor. No, I learned it on one drama. I was on one drama many years ago when I was a young young person. Do you remember one drama? It was on Channel Five in New York. What are you? You're wearing a World Cup outfit. What are, I you're am. wearing? Yeah. Do you know what I'm wearing? What are you wearing? Uh, future ex Twitter user. Future. Future ex Twitter user. <laughs> yeah, that's what You've I'm coming to. Is that a good segue? It. Wait, am I supposed to do that? I'm running the show. Wait, you need to run yeah. it now. I don't know where. I'm uh, already You lost. don't know what to do. Don't worry about it. Yeah, help me. All right. Today, Elon's off to a great start as the new owner of Twitter. Not at all. Also, Apple earnings are bucking tech trends, and we'll speak with Margaret Sullivan about her new memoir and how the news media can win back trust. So Brazil has elected a new president, Kara. Yes, Cara. they have. Yes, Lula da Silva have. won a very close election they, over the weekend did. with just over 50% of the vote. But as we record, we still haven't heard from his opponent, uh, Bolsonaro. That's prompting yeah. fears that he may challenge the results. Do you think there's will. any deeper meaning here? I think there's, I think there's some knock-on effects. What do you think? I think he, he's, I think he's Trump. You know, he's Trump too. And this guy's, well, he's not quite Joe Biden, but he's something like it. Um, he's, he's someone who's such doing things like increasing the budget to protect the Amazon, mm-hmm. et cetera. Um, he had several former presidents of Brazil's central bank backed him. Uh, you know, this guy, Bolsonaro's not done with being an asshole, just the way Trump's not done with being an asshole with this country. He's going to stick in power. He's going to try to foment trouble. He's going to lie up a storm, probably election lies would be a thing. And then he's going to try to return to power. That's, that's pretty much the playbook. Yeah, but I, I do think, though, I mean, I'm beginning to wonder if some democracies, at least what I've seen so far is that they were pretty definitive about the win. And I'm hoping and I'm trying to be an optimist here that the institution around the electoral process in Brazil 
is stronger than, you know, how <laughs> is stronger than ours, quite frankly, or is more resilient or the Brazilian people aren't prone to the same level of conspiracy theory because their their guy didn't win. But on a macro level, it's really interesting. There was definitely a nationalist Trump-like movement around the world as embodied or most typified. Uh, by, by Bolsonaro. Yeah, yeah, by Bolsonaro in Brazil. And I think he got COVID like 45 times and was yeah. said, it, said it was a hoax. And that, yeah. you know, powerful men shouldn't be afraid. You know, just all this, this kind of He's weird Trump. macho. He's Trump, too. 100%. He's Trump, too. And that playbook didn't work. work. And well, it did work. He's got half the vote. He got half the vote. It's the same thing with he Trump. Lost. He got a lot of yes, but he almost he won. Like I'm sorry, In the every numbers. election they almost win. The elections are getting very close all the time. Yes, but the, it wasn't a definitive loss. It has to be. These have oh, to come be. Come on, we'll take take the W. No, I won't take, take the, the w. w here. I shall not because I think it's way too close, and Bolsonaro is going to be actively undermining this government. So. It's just like Trump is done with Biden and the, and the Trump people and leading to this Paul Pelosi attack. Like, it's just, it's the same, same playbook. And until we're absolutely rid of them, I won't, I will not be, take the win. Well, we're, we're, this is a step in the right direction. He lost. Presumably. Yeah, okay. He lost. Good. Mark Zuckerberg will testify in a case brought by the FTC. Last July, the agency sued Meta to stop the company from acquiring VR games producer called Within Unlimited. As part of that case, Zuckerberg will take the stand. He'll answer questions about the deal, as well as larger questions about his metaverse strategy. What would you ask Mark Zuckerberg if you had him under oath, Scott? Uh, what points of light and evidence did he know about that there was a problem with um, depression among teen girls, that their interaction on Instagram was actually showing signals that um, uh, Instagram was, in fact, a key input or a key driver of teen depression among young girls? That's not the topic here. Well, you asked me what I'd, I'd ask. All right, okay, all right, okay. All right, if you want to talk about business, mm -hmm. what I would ask him is, do you realize Meta right now is spending more on R&D than the rest of big tech combined? Yeah. <laughs> if you include, if you include reality. You know, we love R&D. I'm sorry, it's not R&D, it's CapEx. Yeah, CapEx. Yeah. But it's, it's just insane how much money they're spending on, uh, I actually read Brad Gerstner, is that his name, from Altimeter's yeah, letter. Altimeter. It was it, it was an outstanding letter. I just want to give that to him. That'll have absolutely mm -hmm. no impact. Yeah. But he really does lay out, it, it was a really well-written letter, um, just about the le the level of spending here on these kind of moonshots is, is just, yeah. you know, it's kind of the moonshot to end all moonshots. Indeed. What would Indeed. you ask him? In this case, look, it's down to $251 billion dollars. P.E. ratio of nine. I don't, I think the markets have taken care of this one. I don't know. I would ask him about his responsibilities, what he, a broader question about what he thinks his responsibilities are and what does he regret and what would he change? But that's not a legal question. That's a, that's a moral one. I think I would talk about, get him to honestly talk about competition and innovation. Well, it's interesting because the spout of earnings that came out last week, it's, big tech is really no longer big tech. There's biggest tech, which is Apple. Apple now has a market capitalization 10 times yeah. what Meta's is. It is, yeah. And these ad-supported platforms are, for the first time, really having trouble. And the subscription-slash-services-slash-hardware company is running away with it. They were, their revenues were up 8%, and if it hadn't been for the strong dollar— the company with you know the the company yeah. with the biggest revenue by far in tech would have been up double digits. 
Yep. And everyone else is, you know, trying to come up with new metrics to explain what's happening. Yeah, selling stuff is a lot better than advertising right now. And and it's also not the place people are. More Americans are getting their news from TikTok, according to a new study from Pew Research. 10% of Americans say they regularly get news from TikTok. And that number goes up to 25% when looking at people under 30. You know, my kids use that. It's a uh, I don't know if they should be getting their news there. You know, we have the concerns about the Chinese government. That said, it's a great product. I can see why they're using it. There's some great stuff on there. Some people think it's too reductive. I've talked to a lot of people about that, about the reductive nature of it. I just interviewed John Legend. He was talking about he doesn't find a lot of the music on TikTok creative, but it's popular. So I don't know. I I don't know. I I mean, it's just what it is. It's what it is, right? Yeah, but the reason here is it because all of you loves all of me. Oh, my God. John Legend. John, John Legend. John Legend. His name is not Legend, it's Stevens. Did you really? know that? You know who helped name him? Kanye West. Kanye helped name John Legend? Yeah, he was part of a group. Then Anyway, you listen to the interview. It's very interesting. Okay, let's get to our big story. Elon Musk is wasting no time digging into his role as chief twit and emphasis on twit at Twitter. After firing four executives, like we said, Musk's team met with remaining executives over the weekend for conversations about staffing and content moderation. The Washington Post reports there are plans to lay off initially 25% of Twitter's workforce to start. Also, David Sachs and Jason Galaganis appeared in the company directory with titles staff software engineer and official and have official company emails. There's also someone I like. It saves that. Oh, my gosh. Thank God they're here, Kara. There's a guy named Shiram who I like a lot. Who was that's there, not who was true. There. That guy's title on his card is General Consulate of Little Dick Energy. Come on, I want to say something. I've noticed your tweet yeah. storm, the, your yeah. thread on, yeah. on Twitter, by the way, which I thought was yeah. really intelligent. Thanks. But I sense some anger. How are you doing? <laughs> I've never heard you drop f bombs like like that. Well, because here's why: because I've decided yeah. to test the system. I'm doing a lot of stuff like the assholes, that the knucklehead assholes that are on there. You know, let me say the N-word. I can say it now. Men are men. I can say it now. Whatever. Th- those jackasses. You know, free speech is not about being a jackass. It just isn't. And so that's what's happening here. It's making a mockery of, the, of free speech, one. Two, I, this, the, the, the tweet he tweeted is anti-gay. Like, that's enough. I don't even know what you're talking about. The tweet about Paul Pelosi, that he was there with a male prostitute. That's what he tweeted. Oh, the conspiracy theory that he circulated? Yes, yes, yes. From a group that thinks come on. I mean, it's been tough. He's on the network for almost 36 hours and just one small (laughs) slip-up. I know, I know. No, that's bullshit. He's got a trans kid. And of course, the first thing they pick is an anti-gay thing. And if not, it would be anti-Semitic. This is 10 steps from Kanye, right? This is 10 steps from some Kanye outbursts who continues to have outbursts. And I just don't, I, I'm tired of it. It's bullshit. This is a response. You're supposed to be responsible like Apple or any of these companies. That's what I was pointing out actually in that tweet storm. Away from my, just like this, these people are just reprehensible is the idea that do I get value out of it? Do I actually get value? And so I went through some of the things I pay for and I get value out of all of them. Um, and they're, mm-hmm. they cost half as much. And that's all I was pointing out. And I don't know if he's charging $20 for verification. I'm sure it was a lie just to see what would happen. Who knows? Um, but I was, certainly wouldn't pay for it. Now, you would. I just want to press pause because welcome yeah. welcome to uh, the club of people who see Elon through clear, sober lenses. Um, I mean, what's going I, on here over the I weekend? I guess I'm angry because someone said, has he changed or something like that? And I said, he, not the person I knew. This is not. 
this is someone else and fine change or not but go ahead go ahead i think you've been more balanced on Absolutely. musk than the majority of people i think i think genuinely you've tried to give him the benefit of the doubt yeah, and an you also are quick to recognize his obvious and noticeable or notable accomplishments but mm -hmm. within 48 hours of the deal closing he he fires the top three people for cause yeah. and by the way he tr he's trying to fire them for cause. I want to be clear. Yeah, he's not. This is a, for the second time in a few months. Just as they're about to go to court, and I'm sure they've already already said they're suing him for for the money that Twitter owes those top level employees. Right. A judge, as they get closer to, the, to his firm, his legal firm is going to rack up millions of fees, and then they're going to sit him down the day before he goes into court and go, "You can't go under deposition because you've lied so much, and also you are going to lose." Yeah. Firing someone for cause, I have, you know, I've run companies. Yeah. I remember I had an employee yeah. who became addicted to opiates, took the corporate card, ran around town over several weeks getting opiates and all manner of things from yeah. pharmacies and stores and racked up a friend. That was a friend. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> we, we still share. We have joint custody. Anyways, $120,000. So basically, Addicted opiates stole $120,000 yeah. from the company. And my yeah. counsel's advice was, it's going to be difficult to fire her for cause. Yeah. So unless the FBI shows up yeah. and then charges them, and then they are convicted by a jury of their peers, he is going to pay every dollar. So this is nothing but A, intimidation, or a, a really weak, lame attempt at intimidation. Yeah, of course, not to these people. And a belief that what I want is bigger than the law. I can muscle right. around anyone and any institution. Yep. So just just dumb. And then, and I'm gonna bear, it bears repeating because it is unforgivable. It is it, unforgivable it is. that the third person in line to the presidency and an 80 year old couple, family of the Speaker of the House of the greatest deliberative body in the history of our planet is attacked and assaulted in his house. Disproportionate number of people in one party are slow, to condemn the violence, which, by mm -hmm. the way, is a key step to fascism. <clears throat> yep. You refuse to condemn violence against yep. your enemies. And then the Santa Monica Observer, one of these conspiracy rags, pieces of shit that the algorithms of social media love because it creates enragement, yep. engagement, and Nissan ads, puts out a thing saying, but wait, this was Paul Pelosi's Gay lover, not a lover, right. not he's ha not that he's having an affair, not that there's a conspiracy, but let's really get everyone riled up and say it's yeah. a gay lover. It's, uh, everyone's going to believe that very soon. And then this guy, yeah. who is supposed to be extending olive branches everywhere and figuring out a way to yeah. make this sewer less toxic so we can get advertisers back on the platform, so we can keep the biggest people with the biggest followings, i.e. Kara Swisher, on the platform, yeah. retweets that to his 110 million yeah. See? followers. You're wondering why I'm angry. But he literally, but boys don't have a prefrontal cortex. That's the problem. As the father and mother of He's boys. He's not a boy. He's not a well, boy. Let me finish. Okay. But you essentially serve as your son's prefrontal cortex yeah. for two years longer than you have to serve as that prefrontal cortex for your girl. They don't know gas break. They don't have a sense of proportion and the fact that actions create reactions and they have responsibilities. This individual, the wealthiest man in the world, he literally has no prefrontal cortex. Well, he has he no did. ability to assess this situation and go, is this a good idea on a risk-adjusted basis? He did. Trust me, he did. And he, he did. decided it was good? 
No, he used to. I'm just saying that's what I'm. Oh, you're about. saying he used to have it. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. This is why I'm furious. So anyway, just all, like 10 actions, all of which are reprehensible. And they're also suggesting things that you suggested, and they strafe you all the time, which is my favorite part. They're like, I, their ideas are all Scott Galloway ideas, and they just love to attack you, which is my fav- my very favorite part of you this. You know, to be called a fool by an imbecile is a badge of honor. <laughs> yeah, honestly. By the way, I was on, like, I was such a media whore this week. I was on CNN like 11 times this weekend. What were you? I can't even imagine how many requests you got. Anyways, so do you realize, talk about going into the middle of a forest that's cold and not survivable, digging a pit, throwing cobras and grenades in there, and then jumping in. Yeah. Look what Elon Musk has purchased himself. And some of this, the, the, the shit show that this is about to become, some of it isn't his fault because some of the business decisions he's making, yeah. I'm actually very supportive of. And yeah, quite you frankly, are. You are. They basically got a blog post of mine and have decided to like sign he's, it. And I know. Themselves. That's what I've noted. Anyways. You know, you're an insufferable numbskull, Scott, and they're brilliant. They're geniuses. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. They're just, literally just, your playbook. It's so funny. So anyways, but look what's about to happen here. The midterm elections are going to come up. The PRC... Yeah or the CCP, basically, you know, China, has already been unmasked by Twitter, is trying to create bots and fake accounts to fuck with the midterms. Meanwhile, the guy who owns Twitter gets a quarter of his revenue from his entire net worth, and probably 50% of his net worth is probably tied up In in his relationship with Xi Jinping and China, because there is no sunlight between those two things. Yep. So when all of a sudden, he gets a call from someone representing Xi and says, you know, we love Tesla and we hope we can continue to be partners. But some of this rhetoric coming out of your safety council is yeah. just jingoist and, and really anti-China. We hope we yeah. can continue to work with you. You don't think he's going to get that call in like a hot minute? Yeah. And here's the thing. He doesn't even have to take any obvious actions that look as if he's doing. All he has to do is nothing. Yeah. And then what happens, to your point, when Bolsonaro starts claiming election misinformation yeah. and Bad actors see an opportunity to weaponize Twitter and start spreading election misinformation about the Brazilian elections. And by the way, Bolsonaro and Brazil are key components of rare earth materials for batteries. This guy is so complex. Say what you will about Mark Zuckerberg. They don't get any money from China, so they don't have to... They don't have to do that dance that Apple has to do. This guy from day one is compromised. And is going to have a really difficult time uh, yeah, not having the immediate perception of being totally compromised. Well, here we are. So here interestingly, are. the N-word on Twitter spiked 500% in 12 hours. Yoel Roth, the head of safety and integrity of Twitter, said the increase was caused by a trolling campaign with 50,000 tweets from only 300 accounts. Of course, you dumbasses. That's how it works. Like, uh, like this is so stupid. We know that it's never from a lot of people, but it gets other people going. Just like Musk's tweet uh, that ju- from that junk news site, he deleted it. I don't know who got him to, but thank you for that. At which point, it, but it already had 86,000 likes. Like, this is how it works, people. And, and it just gets it out there. It adds it, it to the fire. And that's all these people want is for, for misinformation to, to go all over the place. And so it, it, what's really you know, problematic here is that it's not good for revenue. It's not good for business. General Motors, now they're a competitor to Tesla, let's be clear, but they were on there. Why wouldn't they be? Suspended advertising on the platform following must take over. I was doing a really interesting thing with General Motors as the sponsor on Twitter. I'm, they're not doing it there. 
That's fine. I, they, they have every right to do that. They're taking their money and spending it elsewhere on, on my stuff. But, and I'm going to try to come up with something else for them. And then the blue check thing, you, you want to pay for it, right? Whatever. He's considering $20, $5. I don't know what the fuck he's going to charge for it. But the idea is that verified users get to keep their blue checks for payment. They have 90 days to sign up or they lose their marks. So I don't, you want to pay for this. I don't. Well, okay. Yeah. See, here's that anger coming out. I Your sense anger. that anger. You want to, you, you want to pay for this. To re- it's not like Twitter's a prostitute and I'm asking her to come into our marriage or him. Patrick, no. hello, Patrick. No. His rates have gone up, by the way, just listen, so you know. Listen. Inflation, Carol. I'm not, when you, when you rant on, I, you're not angry. Jesus and I'm Christ. angry. You really are angry. I'm angry because you're not letting me be angry. I'm sorry. That's it. I'm getting you a rabbit coat and we're going to the Olive Garden this weekend. All right, all right, it's go clearly ahead. you need explain some attention in this relationship. That you explain why you want to pay for it and I'll explain why I don't. And I'll Simple. try not to be hysterical the way women are. I didn't say that. I did say that. I am much more emotional than you. Yes, you are. I just called you angry. That's okay. I am angry. Look. I think that there are two things that haunt Twitter. The first is it's a shitty business. They are subscale and they're not able to have, they don't have the ad stack and the scale to get the kind of, create the cash volcano that has been created yeah. through these colliding tectonic plate shift of scale. Everyone's on Meta and Google and then this unbelievable uh, tech ad stack where they can target houses in New Jersey that have the 16-year-old who just got a driver's license if you're right. a Geico and want to sell them insurance. It's a shitty business. A better business is subscription. So let's just start there. Subscription is a better business. Yes, I agree. And there is huge surplus value when Caitlyn Jenner gets paid $400,000 for a promoted tweet. I think it would be reasonable for Twitter to go, all right, we're a little bit going a little bit Apple, and we're going to take 30% of of revenue that, sense. that, that is sense. created yeah. as value on our platform. Direct, yeah. You're getting 400000 If they say, and then all the way down to, okay, Scott Galloway, you have half a million followers. You're not a journalist. You're not a nonprofit. You're not a humorist. You are someone who is putting out content that is business-related because clearly you make money off of it. Now, you make money off of it different ways, books, speaking fees, whatever it might be investing. But we think, realistically, you're getting X amount of value uh, and we're going to charge you 10% of that value. We're going to, there's so much surplus value from Twitter that they could be charging where they have made a mistake. They're moving in the right direction. And I know where they're going to go because they're smart people and they'll figure out eventually. They want one size fits all blue check. No, that's not it. It should be similar to how you price an airline seat. An airline seat is worth different amounts to different people at different times. And sure. every Twitter account has a different amount of economic surplus value that is not being captured and they should capture it. Anyone with less than 100,000 followers or 10,000 followers, I don't know what the number is, anyone from a nonprofit, anyone in the business of journalism gets it free. I think there should be some sort of decentralized identification which gets everyone's hair on fire. I get that. Or maybe they have the technology to clean up the bots without doing it. But the subscription mm-hmm. and recognition their current business doesn't work and capturing some of that surplus value All is right. absolutely the right strategy and where they will go. And I, just one more, just to okay. finish my word salad here. Yes. All this bullshit, and he's already, he's already dialing it back around. This is going to be fine. We're going to unlock the un, – we're going to save this from the, the wolves of censorship and we're gonna, there should be a public square. Take every platform and assign a moderation index. So the moderation index of zero for 4chan, no moderation whatsoever, Wild West, go on, say the most vile things in the world, that's fine. 
right? The most moderated is TikTok. And then in between, you have Twitter, Pinterest, Meta, Instagram. As you go up the scale of moderation, the more moderated, the better the business and the bigger the growth. The correlation between additional moderation and viable economic, a viable, a viable business model and growth. What is mm-hmm. by far the most moderated? If I, if when I'm on, all right, TikTok, we done with this. Yes, keep going. I'm not, I'm not done. All right, there's I that anger so. again. There's that anger again. <laughs> I want to say Anyways, something. when I when I go on TikTok and I talk about uh, the CDC, if I use the word CDC, there's a good chance my account's going to be suspended. Yeah, because they've said anything around vaccine is a no-no. And guess who's doubling in revenue this year? The most TikTok. moderated platform in the world. Yes, I agree. It's got to be my reasons why. One is I don't think I get economic value from Twitter I, that I can think of. I've looked at all our data and the stuff that brings things to our platform are, is search. I've looked at it over and over and over again, Scott, and it's never Twitter. It's always very small and it's very hard to understand. Second, I'm a content creator on, on Twitter. I make it a better place. I'm painting their fucking fence. I'm not paying them a dime for my verification. If they don't think verification is of knowing me as me is valuable, fuck it. I'm not paying for it. I'm not paying a dime for it. Uh, thirdly, when you think about the blue check thing, if I don't pay for it, someone else will try to pay for it and probably will be an asshole and they'll think it's me. I don't care. It makes their sh- service shittier. What I'm getting out of it is I'm addicted to it and I like getting the news and I like certain people. I don't think it ever pushes things to things. I just, I never see the numbers. I never see it increase that much. And I, I really am not beginning to not enjoy it because I have to endure a whole bunch of knucklehead assholes, which, and I don't have the time. I'd like to get my time back and I'd like to find somewhere where I can curate amazing people in one place. That's, that's my whole thing. So there's a couple things there. The first is, and we referenced this last week, just as I think mental illness has been somewhat destigmatized, especially mm-hmm. for women. Men still aren't yeah. allowed to talk about their mental illness in my viewpoint, but yeah. I think we're starting to destigmatize just how damaging Twitter is on people's mental health. It I don't is. think it's a joke. I, I think either. if you're, I think if you're someone, if you're a journalist or if yeah. you're in the fashion world or in a consumer business, you are expected to have a Twitter presence. It is yeah. very hard to build a business in today's economy without a social following. I mean, yeah. that's what they look at. If you want to be a, if I'm sure the Washington Post, if you want to be a journalist or I'm sure Vox or if you want to be in podcasting or they want to buy, they don't care. You don't think they care and look at your following? No, not really. But anyway, go ahead. But go ahead. Uh, I get, I, I think, I think one of the things that people absolutely look at when I'm, I can tell you the reason I've gotten what, is, what I think most people would say is a crazy number for my books Yeah, is they think that I can market the shit out of it because of my social followings. Okay. And I think these are things that are real assets. And one of the things I tell young people in my brand strategy class, I task each of them, like, pick any platform. I need you to be in the top 5% by the end of the semester. I need you to yeah. own it, get great at it, because it's an asset over time if you build sure. it. Anyways, the but here's the thing. I think there's a certain expectation professionally for economic substance across a lot of industries. You need, I think if you're a world-class journalist or aspire to be a world-class journalist, you have to figure out these platforms. Yeah. It is very hard without it. Some people are such gene. Nicholas Christoph, you know, whatever, Maureen Dowd, they would make a living without them. 
but the major but they would make more with you know anyways they're important it's not these aren't recreational activities that you just say i'm done i don't like it yeah but i think it's waning i think the power is waning everyone's over at tiktok everyone who i want to reach is over at tiktok or even linkedin i get more when i ever i do anything over there thousands and thousands tens of thousands of people that actually buy books like this is all just lat noise and so the question is is it i i love social this particular social media but i in the back of my mind, it doesn't really help me that much, honestly. But where I was headed with this, Kara, is okay. that if you have, if this is part of your professional responsibility across a number of industries, yeah. and if you have any reasonable amount of success, or you're in certain industries where you have to express a viewpoint, whether you're a journalist or an academic or a quote-unquote thought leader or even a celebrity, you eventually, because of poor safeguards and because the incentives are to let the thing go wild and create a toxic atmosphere, which creates more engagement and more Nissan ads, at some point, at some point, unless you are... In, in either incredibly high self-esteem or incredibly low self-esteem, yeah. this is going to fuck up one of your weekends. You are going to get uh, attacked. Yeah, the algorithm is going to love that you're going to get attacked. It's going to yeah. show the controversy to yep. say to more people. Yep. It's like in the third grade when people start having words, they it. would usually walk away. And then someone, then 10 kids surround you and start screaming, fight, fight, fight. That is exactly what these companies are in the business of. Yep. And it takes a real toll on people. And yeah, I agree. You don't like to admit it because I don't like to say it. I mean, I'm an alpha male. I think of myself as being fairly strong. Mm-hmm. I would say if, if I've had six really weekends where something has happened to me that has rattled me. Text from me. I would say two of the six yeah. every year are, start on Twitter. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, who the fuck needs that? And here's the thing. Ah, ah. Well, hold on. Here's the okay. thing. They could fix it. Yeah. They could mm-hmm. fix it. They throw yep. up their arms and the same the same delusion of complexity that all the big tech foments such that they can act like these problems are too big to solve. They could clean up this shit. Yes, yes. but this is and not the gang not that's going to do it. It's not just this is the gang that's going to make it worse. I, I know these people. So far. Agreed. I know these people. They love chaos. And good luck. Enjoy yourselves. I'm going to drive off in my Chevy Bolt. Anyway. But let me just say, white very insecure little dick white men who are worth hundreds of millions of dollars are exactly the right people to understand these That's problems. Right. That's right. They're exactly That's the right. people well, And by the way, if they want to create problems. a council, what person is going to join these people? Nobody. Nobody. Anyway, we'll see who does it. My favorite departure, and I don't care. Celebrities depart, whatever. They can go. I don't, whatever. I'm not going to make a big deal of it. I'm just going to leave. Um, Tia Leone, who I love so much, Madam Secretary, the real Madam Secretary, not Elon. Hi, everyone. I'm coming off Twitter today. Let's see where we are when the dust settles. Today, the dust has revealed too much hate, too much in the wrong direction. Love, kindness, and possibilities for all of you. Thank you. Classy dame. Classy fucking dame. I love it. I like her, too. Bygones. She's been in some good movies. She's wonderful. Hello, hottie. Anyway, stop. Oh, my stop, God. Stop. Anyway, Hello. we're going on a quick break. Do you believe in love and first sight, or should I walk by again? Oh Hello, ladies. When we come back, there's good news for Apple and for Exxon, and we'll speak with a friend of Pivot, Margaret Sullivan. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You've heard it before. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. But it's more than just a tagline, because State Farm agents are small business owners themselves who live and work in your community. And if you're in the market for small business insurance, who better to work with than an agent who understands what it takes? State Farm agents can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. Talk to your local State Farm agent today about small business insurance. 
Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Scott, we're back. We're going to talk about not doom and gloom. Two companies did well this quarter. Apple's fourth quarter earnings beat revenue expectations, but iPhone sales fell short. The company's revenue increased by 8%. CEO Tim Cook, who will never say anti-gay stuff, said it would have increased by double digits, if not for a strong dollar. Uh, iPhone sales increased by 10% compared to 47% for the same quarter last year. Cook said the company is hiring deliberately. Apple stock rose by 7% on Friday and is at 153 at the time of the taping, showing a demand for slow and steady uh, in the times of turbulent uh, growth for tech, Amazon shares fell 7% on Friday, briefly reaching the lowest point since April 2020 after projected slowdown in holiday revenue. Um, well, uh, what do we think? What do we think? By, what do we think of this? This is, I mean, there's two things here. One, this is just a staggering quarter for Apple. But the real news here is that Apple has disarticulated itself in the rest of big tech. Yeah, it is now, it now yeah. occupies the Iron Throne, full yeah. stop. And, yeah. you know, you had, uh, I mean, Amazon off 14%, one of its worst days. Meta has just been the shit show that keeps on yeah. giving, so to yeah. speak. Um, it's just, and then there's Apple in the face of these headwinds around the economy. And I think it says a few things. One, it says, we've talked about this, hardware, subscription, better businesses than advertising. And also, I just don't think there's any getting around it. I've always thought Apple is the ultimate proxy for how the top 10% globally are doing. Apple is the ultimate luxury item. Yeah. Uh, they've got a billion users. It's the billion wealthiest people on the planet and distinct of inflation, distinct of uh, economic headwinds. The top 14% economically globally continue to kill it. Um, I really do think this is a a wealth index. Apple has become the global wealth index. Yeah, and you think, okay, well, it, it's a mass product because it's 50% in the U.S. It doesn't have that share elsewhere because the majority of people can't afford an iPhone, but the people mm -hmm. who can afford Apple products are doing just fine. Yeah. Yep. I would think that. So I think it was a very impressive performance. That's all. It's just impressive. They know how to handle their company. They know how to run it. They know how to push the buttons where they need to. Um, they certainly have got to be thinking about new products. The iPhone sales are not going to continue to, to boost them all the time. That said, they, they do a great job running the company and running it efficiently. Um, they're already moving stuff to India. They're thinking they're just adults. I don't know what else to say about them. They certainly face some, uh, pressure from regulators around the app store. Uh, but otherwise, uh, they do. They have, they have disarticulated. That's a really good way of putting it. The other people who have done very well was ExxonMobil broke records for its third quarter mm -hmm. profits. What a shock. The old giant reported more than $19 billion in net income, an increase of $2 billion from the previous quarter. Exxon uh, boosted production to meet demand during the quarter and is expanding its refinery in Beaumont, Texas, expecting more available product early next year. Gas prices have eased, but they're still on average uh, 36 cents more per gallon than this time last year. In August, President Biden said Exxon made more money than God this year. I, I definitely did very well. So here we are with them. That's what, this is no surprise whatsoever. I don't like the Senator Warren and President Biden. I think it's a really bad narrative that go after oil for record profits. They're not after. I mean, the profits these companies have made is extraordinary. But the profits they they are dwarfed by the profits of big tech over the last. 10 yes, years. that is true. In addition. When COVID hit and no one was saying, oh, poor, you know, poor American, huge industry, big oil. So this is an easy target. I think it's really lazy politics to go after these guys yep. because yep. it's a big industry in the U.S. 
investors have finally made good money in an oil stock over the last two or three years. Mm -hmm. And I think it just outs you as not understanding economics and playing favorites and finding, you know, we need, quite frankly, we need more drilling right now to get off of oil from a nation that uses it to fund war and atrocity. And then absolutely pivot to renewables. But short term, we need the West to be energy independent. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I really, I don't, I don't understand, and I find it really lazy politics and just plain wrong to demonize these companies. Yep, I would agree. I would agree. I think, look, you can, you, you certainly should be fighting for other alternative energy sources. But I think I, I, it's typical in politics. This has gone on for decades. I don't think it's anything fresh and new. And these prices, these these profits are really something else. And I don't think it's just because they're so good at their jobs. In Apple's case, I do think they're so good at their jobs. I think it's because people need gas. There's things in the Ukraine, other external circumstances. Well, we're not experts on oil, big oil, but let's bring in our friend of Pivot, who is an expert on something we also do know about the media. Margaret Sullivan has been a media columnist for The Washington Post and author of a new book, Newsroom Confidential, Lessons and Worries from an Ink-Stained Life. In her new memoir, she recounts her long career in journalism, including her time as the public editor of The New York Times. Welcome, Margaret Sullivan. Thank you so much, Kara. Great to be with you. You're one of my favorite columnists. Um, so let's Thank recap you. briefly. The Times created a public editor position in 2003 after a plagiarism scandal. Um, it eliminated the role in 2017, saying that social media had become effective watchdog for the paper's reporting. So with that, I want to get into your book. Um, what's the state of trust in news media today? And how did we get here from a, from a, a larger landscape? Mm. Uh, well, the state of trust in the news media is pretty low. It's, you know, depends on when you measure it and so on, but it's certainly below 50%, well below. And if you measure it among Republicans, it's rock bottom. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was a time in the mid-70s, shortly after the Watergate scandal and, you know, the fact that, you know, Woodward and Bernstein unveiled this and after the New York Times and the Washington Post um, published the Pentagon Papers, when the public's trust in the news media was in the mid 70s. So it has really plummeted over the years. And I mean, it's only fair to put this in context a little bit in the sense that trust in institutions generally is way down. Yeah, yeah. And also the press wasn't very popular for most of its history in the United States, for sure. Was or was not? Was not, was not. No, that's that's true. This, so that may have been sort of a, a moment in time. It's it's sort of when Gallup started doing the measuring. So I can't tell you what it was like in, you know, 1850. But um, but it's pretty bad right now. It's pretty bad. And what do you what do you attribute that to? I mean, it's a lot of different things. One is that people feel like there's a lot of bias in the media. Mm-hmm. And you hear this across the political spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's, hard to battle against. Um, I think that, you know, some of the things that happened years ago, for example, the flawed reporting in the run-up to the Iraq war. By the New York Times. By the New York Times, but not just the New York Times. Right. Really uh, was very, very destructive to trust in the news media. And that actually, Kara, was one of the reasons, not just the Jason Blair uh, scandal at the Times, that the New York Times decided to have this role of this internal watchdog. Mm-hmm. and the public editor. 
So let me ask one more question. When you think about the, the, the changes, these were mistakes too. These were just mistakes, but it just, do you think that was it? Or was it the rise of social media where people do get to say whatever they want? Um, just yesterday, Elon Musk was trolling everybody, but the, the New York Times particularly after he tweeted a fake news site, then he said, no, I didn't, I don't, I didn't tweet the New York Times. Like, yeah. No, I think social media does play a big role in it. And I think another uh, aspect of it is that we've spent the past, uh, what, five years or six years having Donald Trump disparage the press constantly and say, don't trust these people. In fact, as you might recall, he said to Leslie Stahl of CBS News, I do this for a reason so that when you guys, meaning the reality based press, when you guys do a negative story about me, no one will believe it. So he set out to disparage the press so that it would, you know, it would eat away, it would erode the trust, and then people would go, oh, I don't know what, I mean, the problem is people say, I, I don't know whether to believe that. And that's yeah. actually very bad. Yeah. And I have my mother, she always says, that's your opinion. I'm like, no, that's a fact. That's, that's like, it's, that's your opinion is her favorite thing. I was like, no, it's a fact. That's success. Scott. Yeah, Margaret, nice to meet you. Hi, Scott. When I think about trust or lack thereof, doesn't it all reverse engineer to uh, the profit motive? Yes. At the end of the day, uh, news used to be a public service, run, you know, run Tang and Pontiac ads all day and then have 21 minutes of news. Then they figured out they could make money. Then they used processing power and a profit incentive. Don't we need states-supported news that attempts to call balls and strikes? Um, well, I agree that a lot of what's happened is because news is largely op operated by corporations, more and mm -hmm. more so. And local news has been bought up by chains, right. and the chains are owned by hedge funds. So that's always, that's very, very bad. I do think that more publicly funded news media would be a good thing. And you would have to really build in a lot of guardrails so that you don't have, you know, politicians telling you mm -hmm. what you can and can't do. Mm -hmm. And that's a worry. So, do you think the BBC is a role model for that? I just think I, I think the I mean, the institutions that are trusted, it's PBS, BBC, Wall Street Journal. I think I read, you know, they're and other than the Wall Street Journal, it struck me there's a big nonprofit component. That there's a, a nonprofit component in, in all of that, in all of that. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. true. The correlation with trust is directly linked to not to the nonprofit status. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I do think, too, that you know, one of the things that the polls and the studies show is that local news is much more trusted than national news. And hmm. paradoxically, it's local news that's had such trouble staying afloat. That's interesting. Do you know why that is? That's really yes, interesting. Yes, I know why it is. I know why it is. It's because the, the business model of local news has disintegrated. I mean, it was basically, it was based on print advertising. Ooh, it was based hmm. on, you know, Warren Buffett once said that in a monopoly market, uh, a newspaper was like an unregulated toll bridge. You want to get there, you know, with your ad, you got to mm -hmm. walk across my bridge and I get to tell mm -hmm. you how much it costs. So that has gone away because the internet. So when you think about the midterms fast approaching, did the media learn anything from 2016 coverage? How should you cover people who don't believe in democracy or believe in what I said, alternative facts? I, I hate even to use that word. They've learned, but not fast enough and not enough. I mean, I think that, you know, eventually the news media started saying the word lie and yeah. eventually the news media started using the word racist, but they Ooh. tiptoed around it for a long they time. Did. They they still tend to, you know, take 
whatever politicians say and put it in a news alert, in a tweet, at the lead of a story, they don't really think about what's good for the public. They think about what's good for engagement. And mm. so it's, it's no, I wouldn't say they've made tremendous progress or anything. Um, and it, and I see things every day that actually are terrible. Give me an example. Oh, you know, I mean, an example that everybody's been chattering about recently is a story in the New York Times about a week or two ago in which, the, you know, the question of how Americans are upset about the loss of democracy. And there's a line in the story, and this is just emblematic of the kind of thing you see. The line yeah. in the story says, but the loss of de democracy, what it's about depends on who you ask. You know, Republicans think that it's about, um, you know, liberal professors and critical race theory being taught in the classroom and voting rights being extended so much that it opens uh, the way to fraud. Well, that is not what the loss of democracy is is about. Right, it's about right. people. It's about office holders who aren't going to accept the results of a free and fair election and refuse to accept that, you know, that part of democracy is turning, you know, the peaceful transfer of power. It's not about liberal professors. So the fact that the Times kind of reported this, you know, in this both sides -y way of, oh, well, there's this and there's that, and they're both kind of equal. And they're not equal. Uh, it feels weird to say this, but just thinking about there's, there's people who've tried to become billionaires by building a media platform, and then there's billionaires who buy a media platform. And it feels weird to say this, but it feels like the less toxic platforms have been the ones that billionaires buy after. Like you're thinking of, you're thinking of Jeff Bezos. Bezos, but, yeah. But what about Elon Musk? I mean, we haven't seen what's going to happen there, but I think we're getting a pretty good idea of it. Yeah. 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 But I mean, I, I, I do see what you're saying. I mean, uh, in, in LA, Patrick Soonshung bought the LA right. Times and has, Doing you know, kept his hands off the yeah. newsroom and supported it. And, you know, I, I think that that's, I mean, on the other hand, I mentioned Warren Buffett. He owned the paper I was the editor of in Buffalo, and he kind of got out of the news business. Um, I mean, he could have stayed in and tried to save it, but he sold off to a chain. And so, you know, there are billionaires and billionaires. And Bezos has been a good owner of the Washington Post. Yeah, he has, you know, he has allowed the paper to figure it out, figure out the digital model while keeping his hands off the editorial product. So that's yeah. what you want. Yeah, presumably. Um, this idea of objectivity, can it exist anymore? Or was it just not true before? Um, if one side views as inconvenient fact as bias, how do you get back to, is there any way, given the noise and the reductive nature of everything and the constant dunking and dunking back and the dunking and dunking back, where you can get to a better place with news? You know, there's this idea that about objectivity that I mean, there's, it's a very fraught word these days in the in, mm -hmm. inside journalism circles because there's a lot of people who say, well, you talk about objectivity, but whose objectivity is it? It doesn't right. take into account me. I'm a young, I don't mean me, but this yeah. is someone talking, young woman of color, for example. You, that's not right. my, that's not my sort of idea right. of what the basis is. But if you think about it a different way, that what it means is approaching every story with an open mind and doing the reporting that leads you to a conclusion based on evidence, then I think objectivity is a, is a good idea and we should want that. So some of it is about the word, which is why I like to use words like accuracy, fairness, evidence, 
instead of objectivity, which makes everyone nuts. Well, but it doesn't pay off. Look who's most popular in cable, for example, it's just Fox oh, News, yeah. which is a profit machine. Right. They make a lot of profits by not They make uh, a ton being... of profit. Well, they're also being sued right now by two voting machine companies for billions and billions of dollars. And that right. just might end up restraining them in a way that no advertising boycott is ever going to do. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. that might be the one thing that makes them pause and say, oh, maybe maybe putting a bunch of misinformation out there isn't such a good idea after all, because it cost us a lot of money. So we'll see how that plays out. But you're, you know, you're right that people talk about how they would like, oh, we want substance in our reporting. But what they actually seek out is outrage and, yeah. you know, having their own points of view underlined and validated. Which is, to me, just propaganda, as far as I can tell. It's essentially. Well, I mean, uh, it, yes, it can. Be. It certainly, I mean, I think Fox News certainly falls under that category. And they've done a tremendous amount of harm, in my view. You know, it's been bad. So, Margaret, who who, or what is the role model here? As far as a news organization goes? Yeah. yeah. But who do we model? You know, I think th there's no perfect model. Um, mm -hmm. There's a bunch of, and, and I wish I could say, okay, it's the Minneapolis Star and Tribune, do everything like mm -hmm. they do. I mean, I think the New York Times does a lot of things right, and they do some things wrong. Same with the Washington Post. Um, the networks, you know, they seem to be, you know, trying to take everything down the middle because nobody wants to lose out on the biggest possible audience. So you don't, you know, that's why CNN, for example, the new boss there has gone to Republicans and said, hey, you know, you're welcome. We want you to feel welcome. Uh, and, and even if you're an election denialist, you know, feel free to come and talk about other stuff. So, you know, I, I don't, it's a great question, Scott. I don't really, I don't really think of, of a model that I, that I truly believe in. I can see good stuff at various places. Mm -hmm. So when you think about um, your life as a public editor, because you're a terrific public editor, does that need sure. to come back or is it just, why should we navel gaze at ourselves more and yeah. more? Well, I mean, the, the reason given for dismantling it was that, you know, social media would take care yes. of that. There was plenty yeah. of, there, but I never bought that, Kara, because the the public editor could do something that you cannot do on on social media which is Port. hear from the actual readers go to the actual decision makers and say hey could you please explain this and what gives and why did you do this and then synthesize that information and right. come up with come up with a reasoned conclusion that you then put in the very pages or on the very website where the readers who are complaining will see it. I mean, that yes. is nothing like people spouting off on Twitter. Nothing like yeah. that. No, so no, I no. think it yeah. I think it would be a good idea for it to come back, but I don't believe it will. I just think it's it's gone. So I don't, you know, I don't worry about it. One of the things is I would say you're saying lessons and worries from an ink stained life. There's a lot more worries here. Uh, you know, I was I didn't feel great after reading no. it. But give give me give me your biggest worry and your biggest lesson. Well, you know, my biggest worry is that the American press is not up to this moment that we're experiencing. Yeah. I was just thinking that this morning. You know, that we are at a we are at a hinge moment in American history where democracy hmm. is truly on the line and the press is kind of very mired in doing things the wrong the same way as always. And while they tinker around the edges, they're not really getting together or just in their own newsroom saying, oh my God, we need to rise to the occasion. We cannot be asleep at the switch. 
Okay. So that is a very big worry. Sure. Um, and my, I guess my biggest lesson is more on the personal side that, you know, I think about young journalists and I think about my own career and I think it is actually a fabulous thing for young people to do. And I encourage mm-hmm. it. And I also encourage them to try to spread their wings in a way that gives them a lot of opportunity to do different kinds of work. Like don't come out of J school and say, okay, now I would like to be a dance critic for the New York Times. You know, okay. y- you have to be able to get some solid reporting in, have a varied career. And I also say, try to work for somebody you respect and believe in and who, you know, knows how to treat you well, because that is extremely important. And I think people get burned out and it it can be a very tough life, but it's also extremely rewarding. And I have loved it. Uh, What would you ask of consumers? There's content creators and there's organizations themselves, but what would you ask for consumers of news? Oh, I I have a strong feeling about that. And thanks for asking. I think that consumers need to be well-informed. They need to have some sense of news literacy. Like when you encounter a piece of information before you share it or even believe it, should do just a modicum of work to figure out if it's true or false. And Mm -hmm. also to stay tuned in. To not give in to this idea of, oh, the news is so bad, uh, I just want to turn away and, you know, watch something on Netflix. I mean, I think as American citizens, we we owe our country the being well-informed and being engaged. So to pay attention to the news and to know what's right and what's not right and try to distinguish between the two. That would be great. That would be great. That would be nice. That would be nice. I do think, you know, this information desert has turned into information obesity, most of which is really empty calories. Oh, it is. I am persistently uh, surprised by people's lack of information, really good information. You know, I think that that when people find a, a commentator or a reporter or columnist that they feel a connection with, and believe and have reason to believe, then they can sort of make their way through the jungle a little bit better. And yeah. and so that's why it's very important to, you know, for news organizations to have people like that who can sort of guide the way a little bit. Yeah, except there's so many false prophets. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, it it's is. Just crazy. It anyway, uh, the book is called Newsroom Confidential, Lessons and Worries from an Ink-Stained Life. Thank you, Margaret Sullivan. Thanks, Kara and Scott. Great to see you. Yeah, likewise. Nice to meet you, Margaret. All right, Scott, one more quick break. We'll be back for wins and fails. Support for this podcast comes from Constant Contact. If you're a business owner, you already know that it's really, really hard to cut through the noise of everyday life. If you want to connect with your customers, you need to break through the noise. You need Constant Contact. Constant Contact is a marketing platform that makes it easy to reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and connect over email, text, social media, and more. Whether you're a marketing guru or just learning the ropes, Constant Contact offers writing assistance tools and automation features that make it simple to say the right thing at the right time. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Okay. 
Okay, Scott, let's hear some wins and fails. What do you think? Well, I'm going to project and I'm going to predict something. I think that Okay. I love Brazil. I go there yeah. every year. Do I you? find it Oh, yeah, I go surfing in Florinopolis and I go to Rio or Sao Paulo. What? I love okay. it. Okay. All right. I was in Sao Paulo just a few months ago. Oh, yeah. The the natural beauty of that country, yeah. uh, they're blessed with natural resources, arguably mm-hmm. one of the greatest natural resources not only for our consumption, but for the consumption of the ecosystem. The Amazon is a, a treasure that the Brazilian people, I, I think, have voted that that is something worth protecting. Uh-huh. And I think the joy of life that is just built into the character of Brazil, I think a lot of people, anyone who's been to Brazil is pulling for them. Yeah. And the peaceful transfer power, I think they can be a role model for democracies. Yeah. And I think so far they've handled it pretty well, other than Bolsonaro refusing to concede. So my win is what I'm hoping will be a peaceful transfer of power that inspires all of Latin America and, quite frankly, unfortunately now, all of North America, because we need more role models around this. Mm -hmm. Yes, I would agree. The numbers are increasing for him, by the way, but go ahead. My fail is, you know, I've been thinking a lot about this, and we have this cold comfort that, quote unquote, it couldn't happen here. And there are just some very basic steps to fascism. It's it's the normalization of of the demonization of a group. Uh, I think on the left, we play an unfortunate role. We have conflated mm-hmm. empathy. You know, <laughs> neutrality in the face of evil is not neutrality. You are not right. showing empathy for mental illness when you kind of look away from Kanye's comments. Mm-hmm. You are I not agree. protecting free speech when you you are somewhat slow to totally condemn the types of comments. This stuff has to be extinguished in the crib. <laughs> I mean, and it's a normalization of violence. Violence jumps mediums. And it's always the go-to, the conspiracy theory that always endures. And there's always a veneer of it. When you see the beginning of the rot of a society, it's mm-hmm. always the go-to conspiracy. And that is a conspiracy against 2% of the American population and 0.2% of the global population. It is anti-Semitism. Mm-hmm. And the the ridiculous comments, the vile comments of QAnon or President Trump that mock people of color, that is awful and it's vile, but it takes on a different level of immediacy or threats to violence when you start saying death con and you start saying before it's too late. Mm-hmm. I think there was some uh, layers of anti-Semitism around the attack on Paul Pelosi. If we don't immediately, immediately, like put these people out of business, yeah. I'm not I'm not saying they should be arrested for saying vile things. I'm saying that every person, every media outlet, every commercial interest should say, there's just so much to lose here when you start behaving this way. We can't have anything to do with you full stop, regardless of how much it costs us. And then when you have the new owner of one of the most influential platforms in the world and one of his first acts on the the owner is to spread conspiracy theory with homophobic yeah. overtones, undertones in it, you, you, you're you literally taking us down the path to hell. Yeah. And it's it, it, we're already seeing it. Fascism is a refusal to condemn violence against your enemies. It's a demonization of a group. It's anti-immigrant. And then you layer in, you layer in a bunch of disaffected, young men who for the first time aren't doing as well as their parents and are looking for someone to blame. And the missing piece here that would be really fucking frightening, and it's a difference between 20s Germany when Hitler was put in jail and then 30s Germany when he was elected chancellor, is a severe economic shock. 
Yeah. And so I really, I, I think we all have a responsibility. They did have a wartime loss where they were shamed too, but go ahead. There was a lot of other factors in there. We have, I think all of us have a responsibility to not, to not look away, to not yeah. think, oh, Agreed. it can't happen here, or to believe that, well, he's mentally ill. Well, I'm sure a lot of people who have That's what created I a lot of evil were mentally ill. Yep. Agreed. It, what Elon Musk did over the weekend yeah. is unforgivable. It's just unforgivable that he would. You're asking me why I'm mad? Thank you. Anyways, my my loss, my fail, is I worry that, that there's a level of resignation or we're bereft or on the left, we think we're being empathetic to mental illness mm. or we have some fucked up, weird, perver perverted notion that we've gotten from the right that it's yeah. free speech to tolerate yeah. this stuff, that you're That's protecting right. free speech when you let these individuals say these vile things and not have any sort of uh, ramifications. So uh, yes. my... My fail is the slow creeping towards fascism that on oh, the right that, and the left that, we seem to be comfortable with here. Yes, I'm not comfortable, which is why I'm mad. Um, I have two wins. One is Scott Galloway for letting the Swisher Cats stay in his apartment this weekend. Go on. We How had a great that? time. I left a lot of towels in the washer for you. Uh, I did not that. put them on. I kept the place beautifully clean. I don't think I've ever. I've used one towel since I've been there. Oh, you really? Guys, I'm glad the towels are getting some oh, use. We'll be coming back for more. We The kids love that apartment. They love running. You saw that picture. That was a gorgeous um, was photo. A gorgeous photo. They love yeah. that apartment. They love running around. Uh, so I really appreciate it. Daddy um, has a climbing wall. That's do. for chicks. Yes. Alex think went I'm more up sensitive it. than I am. Alex, when I went, have a Alex climbed it for them. They loved it. Um, um, all four kids were there on Saturday night, um, which was great. We had a great time. Uh, Amanda was helping Alex with his college essay. Louie and I were watching the bear on the couch. The kids were playing around. It was really, really nice. And that's my biggest win is my um, when I was getting angry about this stuff on Twitter. My son was like, what the fuck do you need that for, mom? And I was like, mm -hmm. you know what? Wise children I've raised. There so you there you go. Anyway, to my nice men in my life, all of them, and my lovely daughter, who is going as Anna today uh, in Frozen, and tonight mm -hmm. as a giraffe. Everybody have a great Halloween. Um, it's going to rain here, unfortunately, but Clara Joe Katz is getting ready to get out there and get all the candy she can. Last year was her first big uh, trick-or-treating, and all I could see in her eyes, I have to say, was what a racket. This, you go to their house and you get shit. What a racket. And now she fully understands it and is ready to go. So I'm very happy that I'm, I've grown this little smart little girl who, who gets it. Scott, thank you so much. And thank you to our listeners. We want to hear from you. Send your questions about business tech or whatever's on your mind. Go to nymag.com slash pivot to submit a question for the show or call 855-51-PIVOT. Scott, that's the show. I'm going to take a few days off and not talk. We'll be back on Friday for more. Uh, please read us out. Well, tonight I'm dressing up as a screwdriver, hoping that I'll turn some heads. Oh. That's a good way to call it. Uh, today's show was produced by Lara Naiman, Evan Engel, and Taylor Griffin. Ernie Dertot engineered this episode. Thanks also to Drew Burrows and Neil Silverio. Make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening to Pivot from New York Magazine and Vox Media. We'll be back next week for another breakdown of all things tech and business. Brazil, congratulations on what we believe is going to be a peaceful transfer of power. One of the world's great cultures, one of the most beautiful places in the world. Go Amazon! And when I say go Amazon, I'm talking about the real fucking Amazon. Way to go, Brazil. A huge, important democracy.